You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Creator God, we praise you for Jesus, the Saviour of all people. By your Spirit, may we train ourselves in godliness and persevere in our life and teaching that many might be saved. Amen. Well, I wonder, what, 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 do you, what other place do you think that church is most like? What other place in life or society do you think church is most like? Now, you might say that, you know what, church feels a bit like school. After all, each week we come and we listen to the Bible being taught, don't we? And it can feel a bit like a lecture at times. Or you might say that church is like a family. After all, that's what Paul says, isn't it? Here in 1 Timothy, that the church is the household of God. It's the place where we're known, where we're loved, and where we're cared for. But what would you say if I told you that church is actually like a gym? church is actually like a gym. Now here at Cross and Crown, there are two distinct groups of people, aren't there? Some of you, some of you just love going to the gym. I know who you are. We all know who you are. It could be fitness first in Doncaster. could be anytime fitness in Mount Waverley or Good Life in Wonturner South or Fernwood and I'm not sure where. But wherever that is, you love it. You love going to the gym. Then there's the rest of us. Those who hate going to the gym, there could be nothing worse than physical exercise. In fact, when you see those letters G-Y-M, you ask yourself, Gaim? What's a Gaim? And then you walk inside and you go, oh, a Gaim. See, whether or not you love it or whether you loathe it, none of us can deny that physical exercise is important. You might not like to admit it, but you know it, don't you? It's important. And throughout 1 Timothy, we've been discovering how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. And today, the Apostle Paul is calling us to be a spiritual gym. It's right there in chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. Train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way. See, friends, we as a church, the church is a family trained in godliness because godliness goes the distance. Paul wants Timothy to set the church up as a spiritual gym. And he wants Timothy to be not a personal trainer, but a spiritual trainer. And today's passage is Paul's training manual, as it were. And it sets out our training needs, our training games, and our training plans. They're the three things that we're looking at today. Training needs, training gains, and training plans. Well, it's pretty obvious why we need physical training, isn't it? I mean, maybe it's a bit more obvious for some of us than for others, but, but without exception, we all need exercise because we're all at risk. Did you know that if you watch just 80 minutes of TV each day, you will view more than 800 junk food ads each year. 
And that doesn't include the billboards we drive past, the ads that we see on social media, or our friends who take us on those midnight Maccas runs. We are all being targeted, actually, by junk food companies, and we're all at risk. Temptation lies all around us, doesn't it? So it's no wonder that we need physical training. Well, Paul wants us to train ourselves in godliness for the very same reason. We are all at a far greater risk. You see, just like those junk food manufacturers, there are people who would target and tempt us with deception and lies. But the cost won't be our physical health. It will be our eternal salvation. I mean, just notice the seriousness of Paul's warning there in chapter 4, verse 1. Now, now the Spirit explicitly says that in the later time, some will depart from the faith. Now, this isn't a temporary detour. No, this is a total departure. He goes on. What are they doing? They're paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. That's heavy stuff. I mean, Paul, Paul is not pulling any punches. It's as if he's putting up a big sign in front of us that reads, warning, consumption will lead to death. See, if we think that junk food ads are deceiving us, just imagine how much worse this false teaching must be. Paul says it. this teaching doesn't come from the corporate headquarters of some junk food manufacturer. No, it comes straight from the pit of hell. And here it is in verse 3. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created. See, these false teachers, they're qualifying the gospel of grace with a burden of works. Now, it's not the active works of the gospel plus something. No, it's actually passive works of the gospel minus something. You see, they're threatening godliness by demanding that we withdraw from God's good world. Now, if you're not a Christian, you might be a bit surprised by this. In fact, I'm willing to bet that actually as Christians, we're all pretty surprised by this as well. Because we actually naturally assume that rejecting stuff isn't a threat to godliness. We assume that rejecting stuff is actually the definition of godliness, don't we? Don't we sometimes measure godliness by our rejection of our career? Rejection of pleasure? Rejection of food and drink? You see, don't we sometimes think that genuine godliness is somehow to rise above the muck and mire of this tainted world? You know, there are Christians today who are just like these false teachers who think that true godliness actually means fleeing from this world. It's this form of what you might call ascetic legalism. That's not godliness. That's just Buddhism. It might look legit on the outside, but it's actually nothing more than junk food godliness. It's as if, you know, it's as honest as that, as that phrase of one junk food company, healthy burgers. Now, that's just not a contradiction in terms. It's misleading and deceptive conduct, and it will kill you. Because the most dangerous heresies are those with the appearance of godliness, but not its power. We need to train ourselves in genuine godliness because we are all at risk of that junk food godliness. But why is it so bad 
right? Why is it so bad to reject the things of this world? Because, as I said, we, don't we assume sometimes that it's the mark of godliness? Well, the very things which these false teachers were rejecting are the very things which God created to be good. We often don't think of this, do we? That God created marriage to be good. He created sex within marriage to be good, food to be good, drink to be good, work to be good. He created this world for our joy and His glory. In fact, this world is so good that God's master plan includes not just the salvation of our souls, but the redemption of our bodies and the restoration of our world. We sometimes miss it, don't we? That God's master plan is actually radically material, physical and tangible. I wonder if you noticed... That's why throughout 1 Timothy, Paul's been emphasizing the real humanity of Jesus. In chapter 3, verse 16, the mystery of godliness is that Jesus was manifested in the flesh. He was born, he lived, he died, and he was raised as a physical human, just like you and just like me. A physical Christ died for a physical people to redeem a physical world. Indeed, to deny the goodness of God's creation is to deny the goal of God's redemption. So instead of rejecting it, you and I, in verse 4, we're called to receive God's good creation with thanksgiving. See, marriage and sex within it are gifts. Receive them with thanks. Food, music, and movies, they're, they're gifts. Receive them with thanks. Work, rest, and play are gifts. Receive them with thanks. And that's the key, isn't it? Thanksgiving. Because junk food godliness demands obedience out of fear. But genuine godliness draws obedience out of thanks. Do your prayers thank God. And not just for His gift of salvation, though that is the heart of the gospel, but do you also thank God for His many good gifts of creation? Is your thanksgiving broad as it is deep? Just think about it. God could have created this world gray, tasteless, boring. But he's created it with beauty, color, wonder, and delight. I mean, did you live with a profound thankfulness to God for all his good gifts? Do you realize that we either deify or demonize God's good creation. We either deify it, or we demonize it. We either deify what God has created, and so replace the creator God with the created goods, or we demonize what God has created. And in rejecting the created goods, we end up rejecting the creator God. We, we qualify the gospel not just with do, 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 but we qualify the gospel with don't, don't, don't. And that's what the false teachers are demanding, and not just of themselves, but of everyone else. Why do we need to train ourselves in godliness? Because we are all at risk of a junk food godliness. False teaching with the appearance of godliness, but without its power. You know, just the other week, I was talking to some of the men here at church about their gains at the gym. 
how much more they can deadlift, squat, and bench. They're very proud of it. You can ask me later who they are. And they mention how their gains are their goal. It is what motivates them to wake up early and hit the gym at 5 a.m. It's what motivates them to push past the pain, to say no to junk food, and to eat a bland diet of poached chicken and steamed broccoli. Because in the end, when they think of the gains, they know that for all the blood, sweat, and tears, the training is worth it. Well, that's what Paul's saying in verse 6. If Timothy teaches genuine godliness, he will be nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. He'll be trained like a child raised the right way, shown the right path, taught the right truth. He won't be stunted in his spiritual growth. You see, if Timothy teaches genuine godliness, he will get the greatest gains of all. That's why Paul says in verse 7, train or literally gym yourselves in godliness. Back in uni, one of my friends almost lived at the gym. Every day he'd wake up at 5 a.m. for his early morning session, the first of five. Whatever fitness program you can think of, he did it. Boxing, spin class, body pump, BJJ, Muay Thai, he did it all. And it paid off, right? Like he once even competed as a bodybuilder. My friend, he was like a brick with eyes, like it was just a solid wall. But if you look at him now, you very quickly realize it never lasts. Because you can have the washboard abs, the bulging biceps, the tree trunks for legs, but in the end, our gains last as only long as our lives. Now, at our age, very few of us are thinking about death, right? And if you're 19, you don't have to put up your hand, but if you're 19 here, can I encourage you, enjoy it. Enjoy it, right? Because you might be on the upswing today. But according to the research I've seen, it's at 20 years old that you begin that long and slow decline. And some of us here are already feeling it, aren't we? You know, your metabolism slows, your waistline grows, your hairline is retreating faster than a defeated rebel army. And no matter how hard we train, whatever gains we might enjoy, we're all fighting a losing battle, aren't we? That's why Paul says in verse 8, for the training of the body has limited benefit. I mean, don't get me wrong, it does have some benefit. We, we saw back in verses 1 to 4 that our bodies are God's good creation. We should receive and enjoy them with thanksgiving. But be in no doubt, the benefit is limited. The gains last only as long as our lives. But godliness goes the distance. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, godliness makes a difference for how we live today. How to live as men and women, how to care for our aging parents and how to rightly handle our money. But it doesn't stop there. Godliness shows us something so much more. It shows us God's master plan for the salvation of our souls, for the redemption of our bodies, for the restoration of this world. Godliness invites us to be part of that master plan through Jesus who came into the world to save sinners. And all we need to do is trust Him. I mean, verse 10 calls us to put our hope in the living God. 
Trust that Jesus has gone where no man has gone. He has gone beyond the grave to save us out of sin and death. You see, godliness goes as far as God. And in Jesus, God has gone beyond the grave. My gosh, that's the gain that counts. That's the gain worth working for. That's the gain worth waking up at 5 a.m. for, isn't it? And now God calls our family, this family, cross and crown, to train ourselves into a model of genuine, godly gains. We're, we're supposed to be that model bodybuilder that everyone looks at and goes, oh, just want to be like that. Because even though she's hit by hardship, sickness, and disease, she seems to have a hope that lasts beyond the grave. A hope that is otherworldly. You know, if you're willing to rise early, work hard and train for your physical health, are you willing to do the same, if not more, for your spiritual health? Are you willing to be like Paul, who in verse 10, labors and strives for gains in godliness? Sorry for the harsh question, but are you physically fit, but spiritually fat? Because, right, we, we labor, we strive, we train ourselves physically, but we're lazy and slack when it, comes to our tra- when, when it comes to training ourselves spiritually. What good is it to have those washboard as bulging biceps and tree trunks for legs only one day to die? Are you disciplined in cultivating genuine godliness? Do you train spiritually as much as you train physically? Do you say, I'm too busy to be in God's word, I'm too tired to pray? Well, I wonder if I said that to some of you about going to the gym, what would you say to me? Focus on the gains. Number the gains that count. Godliness, which goes the distance. Train yourself in godliness. Training needs, training gains. So now, what's our training plan? Well, Paul has two simple instructions for Timothy as a spiritual trainer. Here it is. Show and tell. Show and tell. Show the church what genuine godliness is in your life and tell the church what genuine godliness is in your teaching. Well, and if it's the trainer's job to show and tell, then our training plan is to watch and learn. Watch and observe genuine godliness in our leaders' lives. Learn and listen to genuine godliness in our leaders' teaching. Did you catch that? Show and tell, watch and learn. Because if godliness is our training gain, life and teaching are our training plan. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're looking for a personal trainer, and we've got some here in our church, but you decide you're going to search online. You're going to get some names and decide to meet up with a trainer that you found on Gumtree, which is probably the first alarm bell. So Monday morning comes, and this trainer asks to meet you, not in a gym, but in a food court. You'll think it's a bit strange, but sure, why not? And then, as you stand there, You see him walking towards you, a morbidly unhealthy man eating a dirty burger and drinking a two-liter bottle of Coke. Now, could be wrong, but something tells me that you probably won't let that man train you, 
probably won't let that man near you. Because why would you see a personal trainer with poor fitness, a dentist with bad teeth, a teacher with no intelligence? Well, why in the world would we submit to a pastor, a Christian leader, or a spiritual trainer with no godliness? That's why in verse 12, Paul commands Timothy to set an example for the believers. Note in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In every area of life, Christian leaders are to be a model of godliness. See, if you exercise any form of leadership in our church family, Paul wants you to know that your life matters. And we must show genuine godliness in every area of our lives, in what we say and do, in how we love others, in how we trust and live for Jesus. You see, if our job is to show, then the rest of our church family is called to watch. Watch our leaders and model their genuine godliness. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7 says this, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Let's run an exercise right now. Can you think of a brother or sister in our church family who you see as genuinely godly? Take a moment to think about it. Which man or woman here at Cross and Crown has a godliness that you want to imitate? Well, whichever name came to mind, let me encourage you. Take them out for a coffee. Get to know them. Spend time with them. If they've got the time, ask them to read the Bible with you. Men with men and women with women, of course. So see them up close and personal. Watch them turn up, fight sin, and love Jesus. Do it. You know, recently I've noticed the rise of something called online church. Church where you can listen to a sermon from the comfort of your bedroom and not have to deal with people. But online church makes as much sense as healthy burgers, really. Because church necessarily requires us to be in each other's lives. For all of you math geeks out there, here it is. Life plus teaching equals godliness. Godliness is the product of showing and telling, watching and learning, life and teaching. And we can't watch the life of one whom we do not know. And that's why we need to be at church every Sunday. Because otherwise we're just watching workout videos on YouTube without actually stepping foot into a gym. And stone me outside the campsite later for saying this. But reading your Bible alone is not enough. Because the Bible is not God's gift to you. It's God's gift to us. And so, read it as intended. Together. Step one of our training plan. Watch. But there is, of course, the inverse risk, isn't there? to be that person, and we all know them, who goes to the gym but actually doesn't lift a single weight, who sits on the equipment but just talks with their mates. Well, if we're going to be in the gym, it pays to actually train. 
And if we're going to be in church, it pays to actually learn. Because life plus teaching equals godliness. And the church is where life and teaching happen. What good is it if we come to church every week but don't learn the gospel or don't learn genuine godliness? Because if junk food godliness is the product of lies, then genuine godliness is the product of truth. Verse 13. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Paul is calling Timothy to preach the word, not just for information in theology, but for transformation in godliness. Discharge your duty. Use your gift. Preach the word. Honest question, you guys might not even know the answer to this, but have you ever wondered what a pastor actually does from Monday to Saturday? It's said that we're six days invisible and one day incomprehensible. But according to Paul, a pastor is a teacher, a trainer, a coach. And it's our job to train you in godliness by both modeling it and preaching it, showing it and telling it. So whether it's one-to-one or in small groups, seminars or Q&As, through writing, mentoring or training leaders, our job is to preach the word. Part one of our training plan, watch... Part two of our training plan, learn. So wherever you're at in your Christian walk, dig deep into God's Word. Take notes in the Sunday sermon. Read the Word every day. Discuss it with one another on Sundays, in BLTs and in one-to-ones. Listen to quality podcasts. Ask Jevin, he's got like 50 of them that he listens to. Read good books. Attend great conferences so that you might learn. The great Puritan William Perkins writes this, theology is the science of living blessedly forever. Wasn't that beautiful? See, that's our training plan. Watch and learn. Because life plus teaching equals godliness. If you're thinking about training for full-time gospel ministry, can I share Paul's advice to you? Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. If you're aspiring to be a pastor, planter, missionary, or gospel worker, here's my questions. How well do you know God's Word? How deeply committed are you to reading, studying, and learning it? But not just that, how well do you reflect God's character? How are you tracking with your speech, your conduct, your love, your faith, your purity? Being able to preach the word is not enough. You must live the word as well. And don't worry, verse 15 assures us all that in his great mercy, God expects progress, not perfection. Is your progress evident to all? And on the way to church earlier today, I was driving past the 50,000 gyms that now populate our city. And outside one gym was a sign, and this is what it read. Fast food kills fast. Get gains for a lifetime. Gym three times a week to stay healthy. 
sign up today. Did you notice? Training needs, training gains, training plans. Well, friends, right this moment, God is putting up another sign for all of us to see. False teaching kills faith. Get gains for eternity. Life plus teaching equals godliness. Sign up today. So will you? Will you sign up today? Will you commit to train yourself in godliness? Not alone, but together. Will you commit to know, love, and live for Jesus through his word in this church? Let me pray. Creator God, we praise you for Jesus, the Savior of all people. By your Spirit, may we train ourselves in godliness and persevere in our life and teaching that many might be saved. Amen.